Howdy and welcome into the Wild Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Munoz. We've got a fantastic, fun, just absolutely phenomenal. I know that's not an F word and we like to stick with the F word theme, but th- this is a good time. This is a great podcast. Robert and I are having a lot of fun, smiling, just it's a good morning. It's a good morning on this Thursday morning here in uh, the Cowboys State. Robert and I were joined by the Colorado Springs slash Denver Gazette's George Stoya. He covers the Denver Broncos primarily, but he's also new to the Colorado Avalanche beat. So we talked to him about the Avs and their playoff run, as well as the Broncos' recent NFL draft, as well as the not-so-recent acquisition of Russell Wilson and at his alma mater, Oklahoma, you know, just what the the cycle of emotions has been like for him as Brent Venables takes over there in Norman. So definitely I've been intrigued, but I've been wanting to ask him about that for a while. So we talked to George for a while, had a really great time talking to him. And then of course, right now in here in Wyoming, Coming up on the close of the spring high school sports season, state regionals, regionals, I guess they're not state regional, regionals this week and next weekend, the state championships, a lot of hardware on the line over the next couple, 10 days or so. So we'll talk about that here, Robert and I will, and then we'll toss it over to George to steal the show as he likes to do. But first, Robert, how's it going, my man? Oh, it's going, it's going um, fabulous. Did you use that one already? Um, I don't think I used fabulous. No. Okay. There's, there's an F, there's an F word we, I can use then. Yeah. Going great. Excited to cover some regional soccer. Um, You know, it's a big day, big day for some Thursday morning here. Big day for some regional soccer. Winter go home. No, when I go home, and unfortunately, a couple of the Cheyenne schools will be going home. So, should be some great matches that I'll be able to cover today. Um, what about you? What What's going on? What's going on uh, for Mr. David Graff this weekend in the prep sports world? Well, this is my last high school sports for a while because I will be taking off next week. I've got a wedding in Philadelphia that I'm in. So I will not be here for state championship coverage. So I'm going to enjoy every single second that I can of high school regional track, the West region at Venturna County high school, got NC Riverton and a few other schools there, you know, we're the biggest podcast in Riverton. So if you haven't been listening to that us that long, you might not get that joke, but if you have stuck with us, even after that joke, we really appreciate you, but yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy every single second of that. Looking forward to it. I've had a lot of fun covering track this spring. The Natrona County track team has uh, certainly had fun getting to know me. I think about 150 of the kids add me on Snapchat. So uh, real, it's just been real exciting this spring. But uh, I know you got some soccer to go to. So what, what game are you most looking forward to watching down there in Cheyenne today? Well, I get to watch the Central and East girls play today, um, this evening. And like I just said, it's winter go home. So it's a rivalry, cross-town rivalry. Um, 
going to be fun. It's going to be intense. They are one and one against each other, I believe, this season. So, oh, no, I lied. There was a draw. It's uh, Central beat East, and then the first match they drew. Um, scoreless draw, actually. So, yeah, it, it's going to be, I don't know. The East girls have coming off a big win over Laramie, a very good Laramie team. Um, it's going to be fun for sure. So are you on soccer all weekend? You got all three days of soccer. I know that track is over there in Laramie as well, but are you just going to be spending your time at the pitch? I will be spending my time at the pitch. And I don't know, uh, is Mr. Chriswell going to be covering some track? I think he might be doing some track over there in Laramie, helping out. Good for him, man. That is – Track is a, a grind. It's a madhouse, dude. You have yeah. no idea what's going on. I know Michael Katz, when he uh, came up to do state track last year, he was lost. He's lost for sure. But uh, I, have, I have a question for you. Do you think a state record should count if it is broken not during the state track meet? All right, so context on this. I know where Robert's coming from on this question. As uh, my dog Lulu obviously is upset by this question, she's wilding over here. If you can she disagrees. Her, yeah. You can hear her rolling around in the background. I'm, I apologize, but she's equally as upset as I am about the fact that, you know, you in Wyoming, if you set a mark in state track and field, doesn't matter if it's running, throw it, any, any running, throwing, jumping, any of them, it's not an official mark unless it's at the state meet, the state meet. And this, com- this question comes on the heel of Kelly Walsh. Everybody knows that I'm a big fan of the athlete Cameron Burkett, and he's certainly been on a mission this spring to try and set the state record in shot put. It was 63 Eight and a half inches set by Torrington's Logan Harris. Yes, the same one from the football team there in Laramie. And Cameron last weekend threw a 64-9 at a meet in Gillette. Now, I was asking Cameron about it, and he said, yeah, it's the all-time furthest mark in Wyoming, but it won't go down as the state record unless he's able to do that at the state meet. Now, to me, the all-time furthest mark in Wyoming sounds like something that you would put in the Guinness Book of World Records. So that's pretty cool, you know, to say that out loud. But I know that, you know, the kids really want to be able to say, I have a state record, like I set the state record. But technically, Cameron has not done that yet. Even though he has, I mean – there's video evidence of him throwing at 64-9. Great video taken by his girlfriend, and <laughs> she's so excited. It's it's great stuff. But uh, I I don't I think that it's awful. I don't totally understand it. I get that like at the state meet, it's going to be more precise. Like you're not just getting coaches measuring it. Like they're real real tactical, if you would, about the measurements and all of that. But I think at the very least, the regional meet should count. So if like the regional and the state meet, those two should count 
towards the state records if you if you really want to limit it what do you, what do you say Robert what what's your stance on this um yeah I kind of agree with you I never really kind of thought about it with the regional um aspect but yeah you summed it up you summed it up I don't want to just repeat what you said I it just doesn't make any sense that like I mean why why have numbers at all why why is there why can you hit certain numbers and qualify you know, if those numbers don't matter, like if they're just practice, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. Well, I'll leave it at that. Maybe there can be a conversation at the very least, the regional should count as, as something. Well, Robert, you got anything else on the spring sports season? I mean, you, you really got me riled up there with the, talk of state track records because yeah it just it doesn't make any sense so what anything else on the spring sports season as we come to a close here before we toss it over to our man george stoya nothing else just that it went by really fast it has gone by very fast you are not wrong about that it has gone by super quick it's i can't believe it's already almost summer it's almost Legion time. Well, it's almost full-time Legion time. I know Legion time never stops there with post six. But let's throw it over to George Story right now, the man on a mission for the Colorado Springs Denver Gazette, covering the Avs right now, always covering the Broncos. Great stuff with him. We'll just let him steal the show. All right, we are thrilled to have back on the podcast with us here. One of the best guys on Twitter to follow. If he, he makes it seem like you are in the locker room with the Denver Broncos. He covers the Denver Broncos for the Colorado Springs Gazette. And recently, he's become the latest expert on the Colorado Avalanche as well. George Stoya, George Thanks for coming back on the pod with us. Really appreciate your time. How's it going today? How's it going early on this Thursday morning here? It's great. I'm uh, eating my breakfast right now, um, but it's good. I'm, I'm very busy. Like you said, I've, I've jumped over and started covering uh, you know, some of the avalanche here. So I actually am uh, heading out to practice as soon as we're done with this, um, this podcast. So I've been, I've been very busy. Yesterday I was at Broncos. Tomorrow I'll be at Broncos again for rookie minicamp. Uh, and then the abs, I think round two will start probably Monday or Tuesday. So uh, very busy, but uh, it's a good time to, to uh, be in this, this position because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. You'd much rather be busy than, you know, twiddling your thumbs. So that, that's good for you. Now, as, as somebody I know who's from Oklahoma, not too far from where I grew up in Arkansas, do you like hockey? Did you like hockey growing up? Is hockey? I don't know anything about hockey. I, I know, I know zero. Uh, I did not grow up watching it. People didn't play it in Oklahoma. So when they asked me, Hey, can, uh, can you cover the abs um, and their playoff run that too, when it wasn't like, it wasn't like, Hey, can you come cover the abs in the middle of the regular season when the games don't matter that much? It's, Hey, uh, can you come cover the best team in hockey as they pursue uh, a Stanley cup? And I was like, uh, are you sure you're asking the right guy? I was like, I can't even tell you how many guys are on the ice. Um, but 
uh, since then I've, I've really figured it out and uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. I, I, I think the sport is great. Uh, the atmosphere, especially in the playoffs is, is really exciting. Um, and obviously like, like I said, I didn't know much about hockey, but I knew the abs were really freaking good. And I think they proved it there in the first round. Now we'll see if they can, you know, keep that up here in the second round and, and uh, are going to need to probably be more physical and those sorts of things, stay healthy, uh, get Darcy Kimper back in the goal. Um, but uh, I, I, it's been a lot of fun, man. And, and the, the personalities on the team are great. The head coach, Jared Bednar, uh, is honestly probably the best coach I've ever interviewed in terms of just like the way he answers questions. He's very detailed. So um, I've really enjoyed it. And I've only been to now, I think, five hockey games. I went to one with my friends uh, you know, when the season first started and then I've been to the last four and those are the only hockey games I've ever been to. So I'm still learning definitely, but it's been a lot of fun for sure. Are you enjoying it more than you expected you would? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, when I first got on it, it was kind of one of those things that, uh, I was like, man, like this is kind of the time of year that, uh, obviously the NFL isn't as busy right now. Uh, and so I would probably be taking some time off and just hanging out and not doing a whole lot. So jumping over and having to, to cover a whole team while also still doing whatever the Broncos, you know, have going on. Um, I wasn't totally looking forward to it, but um, since jumping on, it's been a lot of fun and, and I've made some friends on the beat um, that, that are really talented and really good people. So I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. And, and especially because again, they're really good. And, and at the end of the day, I might get to put on my resume that I, I covered a Stanley cup, um, you know, finals. So that would be, that would be pretty sweet. Um, so I, I can't complain too much. Since you're not capable of, you know, breaking down in-depth hockey here, I just want to know how, how was Creed at, at, uh, in Nashville? How did they rock the house? Yeah. You know, it was, um, it was freaking awesome, man. I, you know, I, I'm not a big Creed fan, but like when you see a band like that, that's like pretty iconic. I think they did, um, God, they did like an iconic Super Bowl halftime show, I believe, years ago, or maybe it was Thanksgiving or something. It was Thanksgiving with the Cowboys. Yes, yeah, and in and, and uh, Stapp like flew in on the the ribbons or whatever. So I was hoping that would happen, um, but I think he's like 70 years old now, so I I don't think they, you know, that's probably not a safe thing to do, especially like in an arena like that, but, uh, they were great. They were awesome. And, uh, the whole Nashville experience was great. I, I, uh, went out on Broadway. I bought myself a cowboy hat. Um, you know, I, I wore the jeans to the game, you know, they gave us, uh, the best part though. They, they, they gifted all the media members with, uh, a little shot of Jack Daniels and a, uh, DeWalt, uh, tape measure that was like 30 pounds. Like it was so heavy. Uh, and so, uh, it, that was pretty cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Creed was cool. Um, there were several, several other celebrities, country music singers that were at the games that I didn't really know who they were, but, uh, but yeah, Nashville was awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I guess we'll do one hockey question here since the quote of the NHL season was, uh, I think it was Calgary flames, Daryl Sutter saying like, I don't want to play the avalanche in the first round because that's just going to be a waste of eight days. So, I mean, what would you say it was a waste of eight days for the Preds to just even try and get past the abs? 
I, w- I wouldn't say it was a waste, especially not from the Avalanche's side. I think that that always is, is a good thing to get some momentum. And obviously, um, you know, their stars played great. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was fantastic. Kale McCarr looks like maybe the best player in the entire league. Um, I think he had like 10 points in, in the first four games, which I, I want to say is an NHL record for a defenseman. Um, so he was incredible. Uh, so I, I don't think it was a waste for the avalanche. Now, if you're viewing it from the predator side, uh, once they lost seven to two, um, you're in the first game, you're like, okay, this is going to be a blowout. And then really the, the series shifted. And I think it was really kind of over, uh, when, you know, the avalanche won that two to one game, um, in overtime in game two. I mean, that was a game that, uh, you know, if, if somehow the predators can sneak it out, um, which, I mean, I mean, the avalanche had like 51 shots on goal that game. It just couldn't find the back of the net. Um, but you know, let's say the predators sneak that one out, then maybe it's a different series, right? Maybe we're talking about a game five or a game six, um, you know, that the predators are able to get one back at home or something like that. Um, but uh, in terms of the predators, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think one of their players, I think Eckholm said after the game, you know, uh, getting swept uh, is always embarrassing, but like they weren't to like, they, they kind of expected it. So it's like, you know, how much, you know, effort and how much uh, were they really in it? I, I felt like the series was really chippy at the beginning too. And then at the end, it, the Predators kind of stopped with that stuff. So, um, you know, obviously you had the Darcy Kemper injury, but I don't think that was intentional, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I you know, I think it was definitely worth it for the abs to get ramped up and, and kind of get into that playoff feeling. But for the for the Predators, probably not. <laughs> you know, they probably would have rather just gone home eight days ago. <laughs> well, Robert, you got something? Go ahead. I was just going to say, and especially kind of, you know, get some physicality in them because Nashville's a really physical team, right? They're probably one of the most physical teams in the league. Yeah, definitely. Um I thought that that was, and I thought they responded well to the physicality, especially, you know, in games one and two, um, you know, they really responded to some of the chippiness and game one, it got really chippy there um, because I mean, the avalanche jumped up five to zero to start. And I think Nashville kind of, you know, reverted to that, that chippiness style to kind of set the tone maybe for the series. Uh, and it just didn't work. I think the avalanche really responded well to that. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, that's something that, Last year, when you look at what fell apart for the Avs is they weren't physical enough at times. Uh, and that's why they lost there in the second round to the Golden Knights. And so they need to be more physical this year. And, and you look at who they might play in the next round, either the Wild or the, or the Blues. I would argue both those teams are, are, are very physical teams, maybe more physical than Nashville. So you're going to have to be physical and you're going to have to have some things go your way uh, if you're going to make that run to the Stanley Cup Finals. And, and I think the Avs know that. And I, I think that's why it was good to, to have the series that they did and perform as well as they did uh, against Nashville. All right. We'll move over to the Denver Broncos here. Your, your main focus, if you would. So we haven't talked to you in a while, especially about the Broncos since then. I think they uh, finally got a quarterback. That would be the biggest news. So what was your initial reaction when they, when they made the trade for Russell Wilson? Well, I was surprised uh, that it was, that it was Russell. Um, you know, I think we all knew that they were going to make a move for a quarterback this off season. We just didn't know which one. Uh, and I think a lot of people obviously thought it was going to be Aaron Rodgers. Um, I actually didn't think it was going to be 
Aaron Rodgers. I thought that was maybe the most like likely scenario, but I didn't think it was going to be him. I thought the Aaron Rodgers semantics were just, um, you know, what they always are. Like, I, I just didn't, you know, buy into that totally. Um, but the Russell Wilson stuff was surprising because it was only, you know, a week earlier I was at uh, the combine and, and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, you know, executives were saying uh, that they were, there was no way they were going to trade Russell Wilson and that uh, Russell Wilson was the future and they were going to do all this stuff uh, to help him in Seattle and, and all that stuff. So you're just like, okay, they're not going to do anything. Um, and then a few days later, he's traded to the Broncos. So I, I was surprised at first, but you know, I think that it's a move that the Broncos have been working on for for a long time. Uh, in fact, I know that I reported that, um, you know, that it's it's he was the guy that they always wanted to go after. And they had been in talks with the Seahawks for weeks um, and it really heated up around the combine. So, um, you know, I think that it, it, I mean, it's a great move. Right. I mean, they finally got the guy that they need. And then you look at the roster. Uh, I think that the excuse has always been the last few years is, well, they have a really good roster, but. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, and now that they don't have that excuse anymore. So I'm interested to see, obviously, how next year plays out uh, with Russell. Do I think that they're going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not in his first year. I think you look at the AFC uh, and just how many good teams there are, especially even in the AFC West. Um, it's going to be really difficult. But this is a playoff team. And, and you get to the playoffs and and you make uh, and you get hot, right, like the Bengals did this last year. Maybe you can make a little run to the Super Bowl and, and maybe you have a chance. But uh, – I still think this team has has a uh, has a few holes, and I think they addressed a couple of them in the draft. And I know we'll we'll dive into that, um, but they're going to need some other guys to step up this year um, for this team to go where they want to go. And and again, I think Russell Wilson was a great trade. Uh, he's he's going to be here. It sounds like for the next you know ten years or however long uh, he wants to play in his career. Um, and when you factor that in, uh, it's a, it's a fantastic trade. And I know some people are like, well, they gave up too much. And I don't think so. Uh, when you can get a guy like Russell Wilson, um, especially in this system with Nathaniel Hackett, I think you're going to see Russell do some things that maybe he wasn't even doing in Seattle. When you talk about uh, the Seahawks have always been a run first team, that will not be the case uh, in Denver. They're going to let Russell go uh, and they're going to throw a lot of, you know, go balls and deep balls like like Russell's known for. Uh, and they're going to kind of let him loose. So I think it's going to be really fun to watch. And um you know, credit to George Payton. He was the guy behind the scenes and he's been the guy that, um, you know, he, he, since he's become the general manager, he's been very unpredictable and that's what you want to be as a GM. You're doing things that people aren't expecting and that are good for the organization. And so far I feel like he's not had too many missteps uh, in doing those things. Do you sense a different vibe around the team since the Russell edition? Uh, a thousand percent. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You, you have guys on the team that, um, you know, every year that, that they're, they're positive and that, and again, they're competitors. And so the last few years, I'm sure they come in every year and say, we're going to compete for a Super Bowl and, and we feel really good about this team and all that stuff. But the, you could always tell there was always a hesitant hesitancy in, in some of the guys that uh, they knew that they couldn't get to where they wanted to go because they didn't have the quarterback. Um, and I know last year they, they all loved Teddy Bridgewater and and they like a, a guy like Drew Locke. But uh, when you get a guy like Russell Wilson in the building, uh, I think everybody knows, obviously, what he brings to the football field. But when you talk about his leadership uh, and him being there every single day, him talking to the guys, him FaceTiming them, um, you know, I think that that goes a long ways. And uh, just to know that he's done it, that he's been to the top of the mountain, he's won a Super Bowl, uh, I think that gives a lot of guys, you know, a lot of belief that they can, 
you know, make a similar run with a guy like that. Because at the end of the day, everybody knows it's a quarterback driven league. Uh, you've got to have an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And uh, these guys know that. And so I think that you can sense that when you when you hear them talk about Russell Wilson, and what they what he brings to the team, but also just how excited they are to be here. I mean, if you guys remember last year, a lot of guys skipped out on OTAs and, and mini camp that that weren't mandatory this year. Every single guy was there, um, you know, or maybe not every single one, but all but maybe a couple were at OTAs and, and uh, you know, voluntary mini camp this this spring. So. I think that tells you just kind of the attitude change uh, and the belief that they can actually be a, a, a Super Bowl contending, a playoff type team next season. So obviously, Russell Wilson, essentially the first round pick for the Broncos in this past draft when you trade for him using that pick. The Broncos are left with, you know, second through seventh rounders. They pick a guy from your, your old stomping grounds, Nick. Benito in the second round with their first pick, a middle linebacker. What what was your overall takeaways from the Broncos draft? Yeah, I thought that they uh, they filled you know a couple positions that they just had to had to fill, and that's obviously pass rusher with Nick Benito. Uh, you also had you know I think they drafted a couple other defensive linemen up front. When you talk about the kid from Iowa State, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, but he's really good. He was a great pass rusher. Matt Henningsen from Wisconsin. He's another guy up front that uh, I think could end up making the roster and, and maybe being, maybe even being a contributor on that rotation on the defensive line. Uh, and then you look at like tight end Greg Dulcich there in the third round. He's a guy that was very productive at UCLA. Uh, he's a guy that I think they'll split out a lot um, and do some different things with him, uh, especially with Hackett, you know, calling the plays. I think that Dulcich will fit the offense pretty well. Um, and then, you know, they went really on day three, they went after a lot of special teams guys. You look at uh, Damari Mathis, the corner from, from Pittsburgh. Um, he's the guy that I expect to probably play some special teams. He'll also probably, um, you know, be kind of that third, fourth string corner um, behind Sertan, Darby, Ojemudia. Uh, he'll be kind of in that mix. Uh, DeLaron Turner-Yell, another Oklahoma guy. He is a pure special teams guy. Uh, and I fully expect him to make the 53-man roster just as a special teams guy, like he, he's, he's, he was easily the best tackler on Oklahoma's football team the last couple of years. Uh, he ran, I think like a four, four 40, um, you know, as a safety in the, in the combine. Uh, so he's a guy that I expect to be on kickoff. You know, he could be a gunner on punt. Um, so he's going to be a special teams guy. Uh, you look at Montreal, Washington, the uh, kick returner from, from Sanford. Uh, I expect him to be the full-time punt and kick returner for, um, for the Broncos next season, that's obviously a position that they've lacked uh, when it comes to special teams. I think they've been, you know, not maybe not the last, but close to last in the league the last couple of years in terms of uh, their returns and, and yards per, per per return. So uh, I expect him to be in the mix. And then you have Fayon Hicks, um, you know, from Wisconsin, the corner from Wisconsin, the seventh round. He's also a special teams guy. Uh, and the only guy I think I'm missing that I have not mentioned is Wattenberg, the offensive lineman from Washington. I expect him to come in and compete for that, uh, that center position. I don't know if he'll be a starter. I don't expect him to be a starter, uh, but the way that he moves and his versatility, uh, he really fits what they're trying to do offensively. When you talk about outside zone uh, and what, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's bringing to the offense. Uh, so I think that that was that the thinking there is that maybe he could compete for that center spot. He could also probably play some guard 
Um, and so that's why he's an intriguing pick. The only position that maybe they didn't fill that I know some people wanted them to fill is that right tackle spot. Uh, and I think that they pretty, they're pretty comfortable with a couple guys that they brought in in free agency as on one-year deals. Uh, and I, I just think that they didn't want to reach on uh, you know, a rookie offensive tackle that maybe doesn't pan out uh, and instead maybe wait till next year and get the guy that they really want at that right tackle position for the future. So um, all in all, I thought it was a great draft. I thought they got some good picks um, that maybe they didn't think would fall there. I know Nick Benita was not a guy that they thought would fall to 64. They thought they were going to have to move up. Greg Dulcich was another guy. They thought they would have to move up. And then I think on day three, they just filled a lot of positions uh, and didn't really reach for any guys. I know Montreal Washington was a guy that no one thought would get drafted, but that's a position they really need. And so they went and they drafted him. Um, and I thought I really like that pick. I think he's a guy that can end up being a, a real contributor on this football team. So, um, yeah, I, I, overall, I thought the draft was really well done. And, and I think it's also I mentioned George Payton earlier with the trade. The draft is definitely his strength as a GM. That is his thing. Uh, he used to be a, a scout for a long time. Uh, and so he loves the draft. And there's there's no question. You look at last year's draft, obviously turned out well. I expect this one to turn out pretty well, too. You talked about filling uh, that right tackle role. What, what, what position, what role do you think needed to be filled the most going into the draft? And do you think they accomplished that? Yeah, edge rusher, 100%. Um, has to be edge rusher. When you look at, obviously, I know you have two great ones in Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Um, but after that, it's really kind of a crapshoot, right? You bring back Malik Reed, uh, who's a nice player, but he's probably not the future at that position, right? Uh, and then you've got, I think they, they're moving Baron Browning maybe down into there. Um, you know, Jonathan Cooper showed some things last year, but is he going to end up being the future at that position? Probably not. Uh, and when you talk about in the NFL, I think quarterback is obviously the, the most important position. I'd argue edge rusher is number, number two. Uh, when you have to get after the quarterback, and especially when you look at this AFC West and you've got young guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, Derek Carr's back with the Raiders. You have to get after the quarterback uh, in this league. And I think that when you look at Bradley Chubb's contract situation uh, and it being up after this season and the injury history he's had and the injury history that Randy Gregory's had, uh, you've got to secure that position. And I think Nick Benito's a guy that um, is someone that could be that guy moving forward for the next you know four years or however long his contract is. And let's say they don't bring back Bradley Chubb. Let's say Bradley Chubb has another injury uh, and he can't go a full season, or maybe he doesn't have the pr productivity that they want to have him and they don't bring him back on a second contract. Well, then you can slide Nick Benito uh, kind of into that position with Randy Gregory. So um, I, I think that edge was, was definitely the, the position they needed to fill. And, and they got a guy that they think could be a potential starter for them. And, and I fully expect uh, him to start at least one game this next season, because like I said, Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, I don't think either of them have gone their entire career of playing all the every single game. I think Bradley maybe did it his rookie season, um, but since then has not played a full season. And Randy Gregory has not played a full season his entire career. So um, I, I think that, you know, shoring up the, the edge position was something they needed to do. And I thought they did that well with, with Benito. So does any of this extra love for Benito come from the fact that, you know, you guys – both bleed crimson and white or what are, what are Oklahoma's colors? Yeah. Crimson and cream. You, you know, I, crimson you know, I would cream. say, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that, you know, I, I will say, you know, I, I've obviously watched a lot of him probably a lot more than other people on the beat um, because I went to Oklahoma and I covered him 
his uh, freshman and sophomore year, and he wasn't he didn't play much then. But you could tell his sophomore year he started getting in the rotation, playing a little bit more. You're like, man, this kid might might be something pretty good. And then you then you turn on his junior year, and uh, he just exploded, and uh, they really let him loose. And you watch him uh, those last two seasons at Oklahoma, and his ability to bend around the edge, his quickness, his first step. Um, was one of the best in college football last year. I know his numbers um, didn't maybe reflect it at times, but uh, when you look at like pro football focus, I think they graded him as one of the top pass rushers uh, in college football last year. I think he had like a pass rushing grade of like 92, which was the highest in college football. Uh, and, and that's accurate. I mean, when they actually rushed him towards the quarterback, he was one of the best in college football. And so I think he's a guy, he's a little undersized. He's got to put on some muscle. Uh, he needs to be better in the run game. But when you're talking about a pure pass rusher, uh, Nick Benito was among the best last year in college football, and, and I expect him to be that good in the NFL. I, 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 is he going to be Von Miller? Of course not. Uh, Von Miller is a generational type talent. Uh, but Nick Benito is definitely a guy that's going to be able to contribute, uh, get a few sacks you know, each season, I think, uh, if he can stay healthy. And uh, I think can be a guy that ends up being a starting pass rusher that you know, maybe teams want. I think he could end up being having maybe a career like Shaq Barrett even. I think that that might be the ceiling. Uh, obviously Shaq Barrett has become one of the elite pass rushers in the league. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, Nick Benito could maybe reach that type of level, uh, especially if he can put on, a, you know, 10 more pounds of muscle, which I would expect him to pretty easily be able to do. But, uh, but yeah, I, I really like that pick. And he's a guy that I think I mocked to the Broncos several times leading up to the draft because it just made too much sense. Well, we'll, we'll stay here with the OU ties since obviously when we last had you on, you know, OU football just kind of – it kind of melted down there for a little bit, like a small hot second. It seemed like the world was coming to an end in, in Norman. So do you, think, do you think you guys landed with the right guy there to lead the Sooners going forward in Brent Venables? I do. I think that they, you know, handled that process really well. Um, you know, Brent was always a guy that obviously he had, had coached Oklahoma previously, um, you know, left for Clemson and it had become, you know, arguably the best defensive coordinator uh, in the country. And I think that obviously when you, when you look at football these days, everybody talks about the flashy offenses and they want to go hire the young guy that's got the, you know, that's the offensive guru that can come in and, and, you know, be like the Lincoln Riley was, you know, a few years ago when he first came to Oklahoma. But when you talk about a team that's about to go to the SEC, uh, and the physicality and the mentality that you're going to need to play in that conference, uh, getting a guy like Brent Venables that has, you know, obviously not coached in the SEC, but as close as you can with Clemson, uh, and the way that they, their program is run. I think that Brent Venables was a home run hire. I, I think that some people, don't look at it like that uh, because Brent is not a Brent's not a guy that, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know unless you're really into college football. Uh, people are like, who's who's Brent Vittables? But if you know college football, you know, he's he's the best defensive coordinator maybe in the in the country. And so I think that uh, the mentality that he's brought back to Oklahoma in terms of physicality and just, um, you know, the, the defensive side of the ball, which is something obviously Oklahoma's lacked the last few years. Uh, I think it is huge and I think it's going to pay dividends. And then you look at the staff that he's brought. That's really, I mean, when they hired Brent, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a, that's a really good hire. But when you look at the guys that he's brought in um, you talk about Todd Bates, 
who's one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. That's where you really got to be strong up front on the defensive line. Um, you look at Ted Roof. He's a guy that's been around college football for a long time. That's going to end up being the linebackers and defensive a defensive coordinator. Um, you've got M- Miguel Chavis, who's this like up and comer uh, pass rushing, you know, position coach. Uh, I don't even know what exactly his title is. Um, you've got several other guys on the defensive side that he's brought in. Valai from Alabama. He was the cornerbacks coach at Alabama last year. Anytime you can get a coach from Alabama, I'd say that's a pretty good hire. Uh, and then you look on the offensive side, he brings in Jeff Levy, who had one of the best offenses in the country last year at Ole Miss. Uh, he was at UCF and they bring in Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback that played for Levy at UCF. So you don't really have to you know, rely on a quarterback that you don't really know if he knows the system. He knows the system. He was successful in the system at UCF. Um, is he going to be Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray for the, for Oklahoma? Probably not. But is he going to be pretty good? I think so. Um, and then he brought back some of the some of the same staff members that I think will end up helping them. Kel Gundy, Bill Beatenbo, uh, DeMarco Murray, um, you know, all these guys that were already on the staff offensively that I think will, will help. And, and it also helped, you know, I think, I think when it first happened, everybody's like, Oh, all these guys are going to go to the transfer portal. And yes, they lost, you know, Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, and a couple others to the transfer portal, but it wasn't this mass exodus that I think people thought it was going to be. And I think one that's because of Brent's mentality and obviously defensive guys wanting to play for him. So almost none of the defensive guys transferred and then offensively, he kept a good chunk of the offensive staff. Uh, and so a lot of guys stuck it out and stayed. So overall, I, I thought it was a really good move. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley leaving. I think that obviously Oklahoma fans have probably overreacted just a tad, um, you know, and, and, and I get it. That's sports. That's the part that I don't understand if people are like Oklahoma fans need to get over it. I'm like, well, this is the beauty of sports. Like fans being upset about something like this. That's what makes college football great. Uh, so I, I kind of love it, but, uh, you know, I think at the, at the end, are they going to win the national championship next year? Probably not. Uh, does losing Lincoln Riley hurt their chances of winning a national championship next year? Probably. But in the long run, uh, when you talk about the transition to the sec and where this team wants to go, I think Brent Venables is the guy to lead them to that future. And I think they're going to be a better program because of, uh, all this that happened. That was a very thought out well-rounded i've had a lot of conversations with my dad about this my my dad is a uh a season ticket holder he's been a season Uh, ticket holder for i think like 28 years or something now so i've had a lot of conversations about uh oklahoma football so uh, that was that was the condensed version you you've formed your answer in a way that it sounds good it sounds upbeat and positive so (laughs) robert and i are happy about that well well, i want to get one last question in here and then you can head out. One of the one of the best things about your Twitter, George, at George Stoya S T O I A. If you're not following George, is the is the road content when you do like I don't know how else to describe it other than like the George from Seinfeld seductive pose on the couch. Like, wh- where did this come from? Where did this that's a great where question you, where you do this. Uh, so yeah, that one it's, it's become iconic. Uh, obviously, you know, um, one of those things I, I, you know, I need to do it on the ice. One of these games, I, be, I got a lot of crap for not doing it on the ice uh, in the first round of the uh, Stanley cup playoffs here, but, and I, I'll get to it. Oh, don't worry. I'll get to it. Um, but uh, the first time I did it was 2017. 
um, when OU played at Ohio State and they, they beat Ohio State. And we were, uh, we were on the field after the game, you know, taking pictures. And I was a student, obviously, at the time. And we were just screwing around. And I just, like, started laying on the field and, uh, like, posed like that. And, like, someone got a picture of it. And I, like, put it out. And they're like, oh, that's funny. And then I was like, uh, I was like, oh, maybe I should do a different pose every game. But then the next game came. And I don't even remember who they played the next game. But the next game came. We're on the field again. And I just do the pose again. And then it just became like, I'm going to do it every single week. And then I'm going to tweet it out. And people ate it up. People loved it. And so it was like one of those things that, you know, I get on the field and sometimes you have to sneak on there. You know, sometimes they, they close the gate. I will tell you the Broncos, because some people have noticed, I don't do it near as much here uh, with the Broncos because they, they shut off the field. Like as soon as the game's over, getting on the field is incredibly difficult. Uh, they like shut all the gates. So you kind of have to, find your way on. So there's been a few times I've been able to get on the Broncos field, but other than that, it's really hard. Whereas like a lot of these other stadiums, you can get on pretty easily. Um, so, and sometimes it's like really late at night. So you're trying to rush out of there, but, but I, I need to get more, I need to do it more here, but yeah, in college, it was like every single game I did it. And, and then it even became, I did it at other sports, basketball, baseball. I did it everywhere. Uh, and, and it got to the point where people would, I would, you know, run into friends outside of work and stuff. They'd be like, Hey, do the pose, do the pose. And I'm like, no, no, you know, I, I can't do it right now. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's one of those things that, uh, has become, you know, one of my favorite things. It's funny in, in my, I, I, I wish I could show it to you guys, but in my room, my bedroom, when I graduated from college, my, my mom, she took all the pictures, uh, and put them like in, in a collage. And so she, it, there's like 50 of them from college. And it's this, like in this massive picture frame, it's great. I love it. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. So, um, so yeah, it, it's one of those things that I really like doing and, and kind of was my, my thing. And, and I need to get back to it and I, and I need to do uh, I got to do it on the ice. I'm worried though, that it'll get my clothes all wet uh, and be too cold. But uh, I think I'm going to try and do it this next round because I know how to get on the ice. Uh, I think I might get yelled at, but I think I'm going to try and sneak on there and do it. Cause what are they going to do? Kick me out. Come on. Uh, the game's already over. So, um, so yeah, it, it, I, I love that thing. I, I, I'm glad you asked about that. Well, I certainly enjoy it. I look forward to it during uh, NFL Sundays when the Broncos are on the road. It's, it's one of the things that I'm like, I'm searching through my feed trying to find because I find it <laughs> hilarious. Well, George, appreciate your time. Good luck managing this busy schedule. Hopefully the Avs make a run to the Stanley Cup finals. You can add that to the old resume. It's nice anytime you can put something new on there. Well, re- really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always uh, enjoy hopping on. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that with the Colorado Springs Gazette's Denver Gazette. I guess it's both. George Stoya, we really appreciate George and his time. Always, always great talking to him. He's he's a character. Enjoy uh, his insight and just kind of enjoy talking with him because, you know, we can get a little off track there and, and have some fun. So really appreciate his time. Really appreciate everybody who's been listening to the podcast here, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all of that. It means the world to me. I, I know that Robert and I have been off and on uploading episodes here lately, but it's, it's been, uh, it's been wacky schedules for the both of us. I will be out of town next week. I will be uh, off to a wedding. And then I know Robert is going out of town the week after that. 
So we might might be taking a little two-week break here at the end of the high school spring sports season, but we'll come back better, stronger than ever heading into the summer. And uh, Josh Criswell and I are cooking something up, so we may have something special to hold people over in the meantime. But really appreciate everybody, you know, who's been supporting the pod. If you want to throw us a few shekels, never hurt anybody. Really appreciate that always. Always, always. And uh, shout out to Shakewell for the music. We'll talk to you sooner than you think. Shout out any suggestions, baby